You're listening to the sermon audio from Redemption Church. Redemption Church exists to exalt Christ, edify the saints, and evangelize the world for the glory of God. For more information on Redemption Church, just go to redemption.church. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. It's good to be back with you as we continue this series through the parables. And if you go to your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 13 as we continue looking at several of these parables of Jesus over the summer. Uh, To you dads, happy Father's Day. And uh, it has been a joy to be together this morning. I know uh, the, the preaching team is helping me with this series, and we've already heard some excellent sermons from Grayson and Michael the last couple weeks, but I'm excited to be back here with you today. And they've served us faithfully, and um, they've done a wonderful job. And I can't promise that this sermon today will be any better than theirs, but I can promise you that it will most likely be longer than theirs. <laughs> so, uh, so let me invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 13. And uh, let's look at verse 44 through 46 as we look at two parables of Jesus. So let's look at verse 44 through verse 46. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful, Lord, for your word that instructs us and teaches us and shows us the precious realities of the Lord Jesus Christ, the nature of your kingdom, and the arrival of King Jesus. Father, I pray that as we look to these two parables of Jesus today, Father, that we would come to see him of such surpassing worth that we would gladly give up everything to have Jesus. Father, I pray for those of us who have recognized the worth of Christ, who have turned from our sins, who have put our faith in Jesus, that we might leave this service this morning with greater commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, being willing to give up everything for his call upon our lives in service of his glory. But Father, I do pray for those who even this morning have yet to recognize the surpassing worth of Jesus. Father, I pray that today they would stumble across a hidden treasure in a field. I pray that they would find that pearl of great value and that they would forsake everything to know Jesus as Savior. Lord, may you work in this time for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, there is no shortage of niche luxury products that people like to buy. In fact, any hobby tends to have this very dark rabbit hole that gets increasingly more expensive as you get into that hobby. You know, people buy these sorts of things, don't they? They buy these expensive and fine goods. You can find tennis shoes worth thousands of dollars. You can find golfing gear and clubs that cost an average American annual salary. You can find sports cars that go in the multiple millions 
Seems like every, every hobby, every, every item, there's this luxury category where people are willing to spend astronomical amounts of money to have them. So it's fascinating, right, that, that most of these products are financially out of reach for everybody in this room as we think about how expensive they are. But they're priced that way because someone somewhere is willing to pay that price to have that item, that luxury item. You see, when a person really treasures something, when they long for something, when they desire something, no cost is too high in order to possess it. This is part of who we are as human beings, that we, as God's image bearers, we, we invest ourselves in what we most deeply desire. We are affectional creatures, spurred on by the loves of our heart. So when we speak of the kingdom of God, particularly the kingship of Jesus, the gospel fundamentally deals with what do we most deeply cherish? That's the question I threw out for you this day. What is it that you most deeply cherish? Jesus says in Matthew 6, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the way the gospel works that our affections, what we most deeply love, that is what springs us to action. That is what springs us to sacrifice everything for. So today, I'm going to invite you to come along with me as we spelunk into the depths of our hearts. And Jesus is going to teach us about the nature of his kingdom by giving us two parables that help show the realities of our hearts. This is the parable of the hidden treasure in the field, and the parable of the pearl of great price. Both parables, in different ways, testify to the heart transformation that happens when we encounter God's grace. That when you come to know Jesus, when you come to see his value, when you see his worth, your desires fundamentally change. Your heart is altered as you begin to see the surpassing worth and value of Jesus, and seeing him as absolutely worthy and precious it dethrones every other idol and alternate love in your heart. This is what happens when you become a Christian, when you respond to the gospel in faith. So as we work through these two parables, I invite you to to go spelunking in your heart as well, to sift through your heart, to see what it is you most deeply cherish. Because the parables describe the sort of person who stumbles across, who all of a sudden finds that Jesus is of surpassing worth. And so may the Lord grant us, you and I today, eyes to see the value and the glory of Jesus Christ. So may we, in some, value Christ as your cherished treasure. That's my call to us today, to value Jesus as your treasured, cherished treasure. So as we work through these parables, we're going to kind of do, throw, do so in three steps. First, we're going to consider the discovery of the treasure. Secondly, we'll consider the cost. And third, we'll consider its joy. So discovery, cost, joy. Let's first think about the discovery, finding the treasure of Christ. Now, these parables are different, but similar in their primary message. The circumstances of finding are a little bit different between these two parables, aren't they? The first parable, the parable of the man, he he isn't searching for the treasure per se, but he sort of stumbles across it in a field. He finds it even though he wasn't really looking for it. 
The second parable is a pearl merchant who is actually going out and searching for fine pearls. He's looking for something, and he finds the pearl of great value. Those are the two different circumstances here of these parables. And let's take one at a time and talk about how it is we discover the value, the supremacy of Christ in our own lives. So in the parable of the treasure of the the hidden treasure in the field, the the, the man seemingly kind of stumbles across it. He wasn't wasn't looking for it. He all of a sudden finds it. He wasn't seeking it, but all of a sudden it appears right in front of him. You see, before the age of banks in the ancient world, it was common to bury your wealth safely. That was something that was sought as a, a wise and cunning thing to do. Particularly in turbulent times, the the ancient world would bury chestfuls of jewels and coins and precious metals, all as a way of protecting your wealth. And when you think about the instability of the ancient world, that kind of makes some sense. After all, if invaders raided you, they couldn't find the buried treasure. There were no security systems, so if somebody broke into your house and stole everything you own, well, thieves couldn't find them. If they were buried somewhere hidden... Buried treasure wasn't something that began with Blackbeard and his pirates, but it was something that the ancient world did quite often and quite regularly as a way of protecting and securing your assets. So the parable in this particular uh, hidden treasure in the field, this seems to have been a forgotten hidden treasure. Somebody buried this out in a field. Maybe the owner died. Maybe it's been lost for generations. Nobody knew it was there. And so all of a sudden, this man seems to be working in the field, and all of a sudden, he discovers this hidden treasure, a treasure that no one knew anything about. And so he finds the treasure, and longing to have it, he covers it up, and he arranges to purchase the field in order to have that hidden treasure that lay in its land. So in the parable, the treasure seems to be forgotten, but he finds it. You see, you might not be searching for Jesus. But sometimes you find Jesus without looking for him, don't you? Unexpectedly and surprisingly, you find Jesus. Perhaps you're just going about your business, going about your life, doing your work, tending your field, and then all of a sudden, the gospel message comes to you somehow, some way. Maybe a coworker begins to talk to you about Jesus. Maybe you have a neighbor who stops by and starts sharing with you about the gospel, invites you to church. The Lord sometimes will work unexpectedly and surprising in people's lives. And all of a sudden, you hear the gospel, you see the treasure, you see its value, and you immediately are overcome with its value and its worth. And from that moment on, your life is never the same. Once you find that treasure unexpectedly, surprisingly, you will sell everything in order to have it for yourself. You see, sometimes we find Jesus when we aren't looking for him. Praise be to God, right? Maybe that's some of your testimonies this day. You weren't looking for Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and you see his value and his worth. These folks are often have their eyes open by the Lord himself to see the value of the gospel, and they are converted suddenly and dramatically. You see, sometimes those who do not long or desire spiritual truths stumble across them, and by God's surprising working of grace, they find him as a treasure above all treasures. Now, the parable of the pearl is a little bit of a different situation, isn't it? 
Because the pearl, parable of the pearl also has a treasure, but the context of its finding is different. That's, what, that's the key differentiation between these two parables. The finding of the, of the treasure, so to speak, is different. The merchant is a pearl merchant, right? He's seeking out pearls. He's a connoisseur of pearls. He's an expert in finding pearls, and he longs to possess them, to have them. He wants the best pearl collection he could possibly ever have. And so the text emphasizes that this merchant is searching for the pearl. He's not stumbling across it. He's out looking for pearls. So perhaps this man would travel far and wide. That seems to be the inclination, right? He's traveling all over the known world trying to find the best of the best. He wants the best pearls he can find. You see, unlike the man in the field, the merchant seems to communicate this idea of a spiritual seeker. He's one who's looking for answers, looking for truth, looking for the good and the beautiful. He has a precise aim and focus in his life. He wants to to answer those big questions that hang over every human being. And he endeavors to discover something of their reality. And he's searching far and wide to find the answers that he's looking for. You see, the pearl merchant models those who are genuine spiritual seekers. They have a restlessness in their souls. They have this angst that cannot be numbed or, or satisfied by the carnal indulgences of the world around them. They long for deeper and spiritual meaning, even if they don't know the specifics of what they're looking for. They long for something. And so their minds are engaged. Their minds are aroused. They're, they're pursuing the truth in any way they can. And their minds just refuse to be captivated by the nonsense and the frills of this modern age. They're hungry for something. You see, so many today are so slothful, so lazy in their mind, that they're not engaged in seeking the truth. They'd rather plow the field than search out the world for pearls. But there are still those, right, who are out there seeking for answers, engaging their minds and their intellects to try to find the truth. You see, the pearl merchant clearly has an aim in his life. He's got a purpose he's pursuing. Ask someone this week, what is your purpose in life? What is your purpose for living? And most likely you'll get maybe a lot of different answers. It'll probably catch a lot of people off their feet. They're going to stumble as they try to answer that question. Maybe they'll say something about their careers or their families. But most people go through life like lifeless husks with minds numbed by the allurements of the world, unconcerned with the ultimate questions of life, meaning, and purpose. You see, the Lord can and does both save the unsuspecting treasure finder and the pearl-seeking merchant. But yet there is something to be said for how the Lord works and those who seek after him with diligence. Remember Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Or as Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Perhaps today you might be like that man in the field. And I pray today you will stumble across that great hidden treasure, the supreme value of Jesus, as you hear the word preached this morning. And may you see the value of Christ and may you long for him, even though you were not expecting to find him here this day. But maybe you're like that pearl merchant. Maybe you've been searching for meaning and purpose and truth for quite some time. And you're looking for it. 
But today, you will stumble upon that pearl of great value. To the one who has, more will be given, and he will have in abundance. I pray that's you. If you are a spiritual seeker here this morning, that you will discover that precious pearl and that your journey of spiritual wrestling and questioning will come to an end as you find the way, the truth, and the life through the Lord Jesus Christ today. So through the circumstances of these parables are a little bit different in each parable, both find the gospel, both find their hearts gripped by the beauty of Jesus. They desired it once they found it. One stumbled, one searched for it, but when they found it, they desired it so much so that both parables communicate that they sold off everything in order to have the treasure. And that leads secondly to the cost, the cost, counting all things as loss in order to gain Christ. You see, when the treasure in the hidden field is discovered, the man, we're told, he covers it up and he goes and he sells everything he has in order to buy it. The pearl collecting merchant is the same. He sells off everything he had. Notice, including every other pearl he had collected along the way, all to possess the one pearl of great value. Everything must be sold in order to have Jesus. Everything is forsaken in order that Christ might be gained. So we have to ask that needed question. This is a question we all must ask. What makes Jesus so valuable that he is worth giving up every other possession in order to have? It's a huge question. What makes Jesus a treasure to have even at such high an expense? That's a good question, and it requires spiritual insight and understanding to grasp it. But let me do the best I can with the Holy Spirit's help, trying to help you see, helping you by the Spirit to open your eyes to see the value of Jesus, and to help us answer that question about why Jesus is so valuable, I want to lean on the Apostle Paul, a man who in his own surprising way stumbled across the surpassing value of Jesus on the road to Damascus. And to that, I want to look at Philippians chapter 3. You're welcome to turn over there if you'd like. This is the passage Pastor James read for us at the service opening. Let's read from Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count Everything is lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You see, Christ becomes so glorious, so sweet, so precious, so enthralling to the soul that everything else is considered rubbish in comparison. Everything else pales when you finally see Jesus as the treasure he is. That the glory of Christ shines so brightly that those who see it can't help but be drawn to it like a moth 
to the flame. The majesty of Jesus is its own sort of gravity, pulling us away from all other rival gods and and the worldly rubbish that fills our lives as we are attracted and drawn to him as the treasure of surpassing value. And so Paul gladly says, I gave up every accolade, every accomplishment, every achievement I've had. I give it all up. Why? So that I might have Christ. Why? So that he may gain Jesus, he says, and be found in him. To be found in him, to be united to Jesus Christ. That's what's so valuable. So why does Paul, why does he consider giving up everything, why is that so valuable? And here's the answer. In Christ Jesus, we receive the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's why Jesus is so valuable. Because if we are in Jesus, we receive righteousness from God, righteousness that can only come when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Because we are spiritual debtors. We are rebellious sinners. We are hypocritical moralists. We are self-worshippers. This is what it means to be a sinner. And before a just and holy God, every human being, including you, including me, right, we stand before God condemned in our sin. Whatever righteousness that we try to achieve in this life is rubbish compared to God's perfect and holy standard. We have no righteousness before a righteous God. So what Paul finds so valuable and what makes Jesus so gloriously desirable is that he is the righteousness of God. He is the righteousness of God. Christ is the good and the beautiful and the true. And in his steadfast love, Jesus lays down his life upon the cross, paying the penalty for our sin and then gifting us with his righteousness. This is why Jesus is such a marvelous treasure. He is so valuable. He is so priceless. Why? Because he alone has righteousness. And that is what we all most desperately need. We can't purchase this righteousness. It has to be given to us by a loving Savior and Redeemer. And at the cross, Jesus does just that. He takes on our condemnation, he takes on our sin, and he gifts us with his righteousness. You see, the supreme treasure of the gospel is Jesus. It's Jesus himself. He is the treasure. He is the pearl of great price. He is the righteousness of God. And so by faith in him, we rebellious sinners condemned before God are now united to Jesus. We are found in him and therefore we have his righteousness credited to us. And so we are united to him in a death like his. We die all the day long, just like Jesus died for his kingdom. But yet, not only do we share in Jesus's death, but we also share in the triumph of his resurrection and victory in Jesus. Being found in Jesus means that we can have life and life eternal. To have Jesus is to be found in him, and it's to possess a treasure like no other. You see, the man in the field who uncovered this treasure or the the merchant who found the, the pearl of great price, all of them discovered the surpassing value of Jesus. In comparison to Jesus, everything else is dispensable. I don't need it. 
As long as they had Christ, they would be content. They needed the treasure. They needed Jesus. Everything else had to go. They gladly gave it all up. Once they saw the value of Jesus, they sold everything in order to have him, didn't they? They sold furniture, homes, tools, trinkets, and food. The kingdom of heaven is like one big estate sale, right? Everything goes away. Everything must go as long as I have Jesus. All so that the treasure could be attained. They gave it all up. Here's the great secret of the kingdom that gets at the heart of the gospel. This is a mystery, right? Salvation is a free gift of God, isn't it? Absolutely free. Jesus stands ready to give salvation to anyone this morning who would believe upon him. Whether you are a farmhand working in a field or whether you are a connoisseur of fine pearls, Christ offers salvation freely to all who would recognize him as treasure. Whether you have more degrees than a thermometer or whether you barely know how to read, whether you are powerful or powerless, it doesn't matter. Christ invites you to come. Salvation is available to all willing to come. You don't have to meet a specific price to attain this gift of salvation. So here's the the gospel, right? Here's the mystery of it. The salvation is absolutely free in Christ Jesus, but it demands everything. It demands everything. Yes, that's right. Everything. True faith is seeing Jesus as the all-consuming treasure of the heart. Jesus will not tolerate any other rival lovers in your heart. He gives himself freely to you. He withholds nothing from you in him. But you must see him as that precious treasure that you would gladly, like Paul, count everything as rubbish that you may gain him. That's at the heart, at the essence of what it means to have saving faith, to see Jesus as the treasure worth having, as everything else can go if I, as long as I have Jesus. You see, saving faith is this joyful forsaking of the world in order to have Christ as Savior. It means that our loves and our heart, right, are fundamentally altered when we put our faith in Jesus. Our affections change, and we love Jesus and Jesus alone in our lives. True faith is this seeing and savoring of Jesus Christ and beholding him and enjoying him and earnestly longing to have Christ and Christ alone. (coughs) You see, such faith sort of saving faith I'm talking about here. It's this faith that says, I must have Christ. Do you say that today? I must have Christ. Everything else, it's lost. It can go as long as they may have Jesus. It's a faith that says that Jesus alone is sweet to me. He alone captivates my heart, and I will gladly give up everything, every earthly trinket, every frivolous possession, every pristine health, leisurely comforts, sensual pleasures, sweet delicacy, prestigious reputations. It can all go as long as I can be found in Christ, as long as I have him as my treasure, as long as I possess him as that priceless pearl. That is what saving faith says. 
when we see the treasure of Jesus. Do you remember the, the rich young ruler in Matthew's gospel? Just a few chapters on in Matthew chapter 19. This is that self-righteous man. He comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus, what good must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus sort of panders to the man. He tells him a few commandments that he has to do. And the young man takes the bait and he replies to Jesus. He says, all these things I have kept. Yeah, right. All these things I have kept. What do I still lack? And then Jesus said, I, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And then Matthew tells us that the man, upon hearing these words, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possessions. He had great possessions. Now, why would Jesus tell the man to do this? Why would he tell the man to sell everything that he had? Is it necessary to sell everything we have in order to have salvation? Perhaps. Perhaps. You see, true faith is a revolution in the heart. It is a spiritual revolution, a revolutionary war, right? Where every other allegiance is cast aside, any other loves are forsaken, every other idol is dethroned in the heart. You see, saving faith is when Christ takes the throne as the soul's ultimate treasure, as its ultimate comfort, as its true joy. And so as Jesus is conversing with this rich young ruler, he discerns that this religious and moral young man, that something is terribly awry in his heart. Something is not right. So Jesus, so wise and discerning as the son of God, he went right for the man's true treasure, what he most deeply loved, what he most deeply cherished. And he called him to repent there, to forsake everything in order to have Jesus. You see, recognizing Jesus as the true treasure means that you have no alternate allegiances in your heart. Nothing comes before the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Lord your God, Deuteronomy says, is a consuming fire, a jealous God, a jealous God. You see, the only demand that Christ makes upon you is that you humbly and gladly treasure him above everything and everyone else. And sometimes that demand is very costly in our lives. So let me invite you, go spelunking in your heart here with me. What is the true treasure of your heart? Where is that true treasure located? What is the thing you most deeply love and cherish? If God demanded you to give that up this day, would you? Would you? Or would you recoil? and protest and walk away sorrowful from the Son of God, clinging to your fool's gold instead? What if God asked you to give up your health for the sake of frontline medical missions? What if God called you to transport your family overseas so that the nations might hear the gospel? What if God called you to throw away your smartphone and to get a dumb phone so you could spend more time in prayer than on Facebook? What if God leads you to find a new job in a new city to help a church plant get started in that city? You see, if any of those questions pinch a nerve in your soul and cause you to flinch, perhaps that is the place where there is a competing treasure lurking in your heart. 
If you respond to such questions and say, well, I, I could never do that, then that is the place where you may not be treasuring Jesus above all. May the Spirit of God convict us accordingly. For those of us who confess Jesus as our treasure, we gladly give him the entirety of our lives. We don't withhold anything from his lordship. That if we know Jesus in a saving way, if we see him as our treasure and our joy, then we will not withhold any part of our lives to Jesus' lordship. We will give it all to him and say, Jesus, here I am. Send me, do with me what you will. I will go where you call me to go. I will do what you call me to do. I will sacrifice what you demand I sacrifice all for your glory because you are my joy. You are my treasure. You are the delight of my heart. Now, some of you might hear something like that and you might think, well, that sounds a bit fanatical, a little overzealous. Perhaps even, some might say, a bit irresponsible to be willing to give up anything for Jesus in this way. Following Jesus might seem way too costly. But friend, you only think that way because you do not know the treasure of Christ. You do not know the joy to be found in him. You see, when you see the glory of Jesus, when you see Jesus as that surpassing treasure, you will gladly become a fool for Jesus. We were at the Southern Baptist Convention this past week in Nashville, and always one of the highlights of the convention is when they have the International Mission Board, they have their commissioning service, where missionaries from our convention of churches are, are prayed for and sent out, and they come on the stage, many of them having to conceal their identity because they're going to dangerous lands, and they announce, they tell their story briefly, and they speak of how they're uprooting their family all to go to another country, make Christ known where he has not yet been known. And the world might look at those events. They might stand and point fingers at those folks and say, what fools they are. What fools they are that they would give up this comfortable American life. That they would uproot their families from their schools and their hobbies also that they can go and live and preach gospel in a foreign place. Foolishness, the world might say. But for those who know Christ as treasure, for those who see the value of Christ, it is not a foolish thing to do. If we see Jesus as our treasure, we will gladly give up everything. The gospel might seem like foolishness to the world, might seem like an insane thing to do, but it is through the folly of the gospel that the Lord displays his wisdom. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, 21, he says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Every foolish missionary who goes overseas in the eyes of the world is being used by God to spread the wisdom and the treasure of Christ to people who have yet to hear. What a wonderful thing to do. No cost is too high for God's people. Because while it might seem, might seem like God is calling us to forsake everything for Jesus as a foolish thing to do, that might seem like a foolish thing to us. But when you perceive the truth, when you have the eyes of faith to see Jesus as that surpassing treasure, then everything else must go. If you recognize it, if you recognize it, you will see that as Charles Spurgeon put it, any cost that Jesus demands is a great bargain 
compared to what we receive. Selling everything to buy the field with the hidden treasure or selling everything to have the one pearl of great price, that might seem like a foolish thing to the world, but if you recognize the joy to be had in Jesus and is seeing his name glorified in your life, then you too will see it as a great bargain, even if it costs us our lives. And that leads, thirdly, to the joy, the joy, the supreme value of knowing Jesus. You see, if you see the value of Jesus, this is the theme here, right? If you cherish Christ, if you see his worth, exchanging everything for Jesus is that bargain. After all, the Bible says, 1 John 2, 17, the world is passing away along with all its desires. Yet the parable displays in these two men that there is no hesitation in them to sell everything in order to have the treasure. The man doesn't hesitate at all. The man who finds the treasure in the field, he's spurred on by his joy to go and to sell all that he has to buy his field. Notice the man does not go begrudgingly to buy the field. He doesn't go because a preacher twists his arm to go and sell all that he has. No, he does it for joy. He put everything up for sale with a smile on his face. And in his heart, he beamed thinking, you can have all my stuff. You can take it all. I will gladly sell it all if only, if only I can have this treasure, if only I can know this Jesus, if only I could be a citizen of his kingdom. It's all going to rot anyway. I'd rather have a lasting treasure, a permanent hope, and eternal joy in Jesus than anything else this world has to offer. The pearl merchant spent his life collecting pearls. He was seeking them out. I'm sure he amassed quite a large collection of them, hunting them down. But yet, when he discovered the pearl of great value, he did not hesitate to sell every other pearl in his collection to have the one pearl. He was searching for truth. And when he found the way, the truth, and the life, everything else had to go. Every competing ideology and philosophy studied in his search for the truth, immediately it became rubbish to him, sold off in order to gain Christ. He searched for meaning. He searched for purpose. He searched for truth. And when he found it, he did not hesitate to forsake it all in order to have that one pearl of great value. As the missionary martyr Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Oh, church, I pray that we would see the surpassing value of Jesus. The man in the field saw it. The pearl merchant saw the value of Christ. Jim Elliott, the martyred missionary, saw it. Do you see the value of Jesus? Do you see it? You see, if you have Jesus and if you are in him, then you know that, that, that I have God's righteousness. Right? If you're in Jesus, you have his righteousness. If, and I am, if I'm in him, I have eternal life. And if I'm in Jesus, I have everlasting joy and everlasting hope. So why then would I want to cling to anything in this life? Why would I be stingy with God? I gave up everything for that which is of surpassing value. Right? I want the, the hidden treasure. I want the pearl of great price. Just let me gain Christ. I pray that's your heart this morning, that whatever the trade, whatever the cost, whatever demands upon our lives, whatever persecution comes, whatever hardship awaits, that we would say, Christ is my life now. 
He is my treasure. He is mine and mine forevermore. I think there's three categories of people in the room this morning. The first are those of you who may have already discovered the treasure of Christ. And I pray that as you hear this passage preached, as we talk about the surpassing value of Jesus, that would remind you over and over again to live for him and him alone as your king and as your treasure. Jesus is glorious to his people. And we must be spurred by our obedience to Christ, to holiness, to mission, all because we treasure Jesus above everything else. And so to those of you who see it, who recognize the value of Christ, who have turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus, keep living your life for Jesus as your treasure. Weed out in your heart any other competing allegiances. Pull them out. Repent of them. Keep living for Jesus as your treasure and treasure alone. But there's a second category of people, and maybe you're like that man in the, hidden, in the field who finds the hidden treasure. Maybe today you're not a Christian, but you, you're not even here seeking Jesus. Perhaps you were forced to come this morning, right, by a friend or a family member, compelled to go. But yet today, like the man in the field, you have stumbled across a treasure you weren't looking for. Today, like the man in the field, you have stumbled across this hidden treasure, and now your eyes have been opened by the Spirit of God. And you see the value of Jesus. And so today I call you, abandon everything. Turn from your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And there's a third category of folks here today, like that pearl merchant. Maybe you have been on a hunt. You've been seeking meaning, purpose, truth, and beauty. You've read books after books. You spent your whole life wrestling over philosophy and religion, trying to find the truth over spiritual matters. You've dabbled in philosophy. You've dabbled in religion. You're hunting for truth. Friend, be discerning and be warned. Not all that shimmers is gold. Fake artificial pearls do exist. Do not hold onto your collection of philosophical pearls when today I lay before you the pearl of great price. Forsake it all. Abandon it all. Put it all aside. Give up your life for Jesus, who is the truth. Today, I pray that we would all, every one of us, cherish the Lord Jesus Christ above all in our lives, that Christ would be seen as that surpassing treasure of great value. And that as we enjoy him, as we delight in him, that God would be glorified by the glad praise of his people. He who has eyes to see, let him see. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you so humbled and amazed at Jesus. Father, as we consider these two parables, we know that, Lords, for so many of us, these parables are the story of our lives. Some of us were not looking for you, Lord, but yet we stumbled across you. The gospel message came to us and our eyes were opened and we realized the surpassing value of Jesus. Some of us may have been spiritually seeking for quite a long time, looking for truth, looking for answers, looking for purpose, dealing with this spiritual restlessness in our heart. But Lord, as Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Father, we thank you for showing yourself to your people, for helping us see by your spirit the surpassing value of Jesus. 
And God, I pray, Lord, for those here this day who may not know you, would I pray, Lord, that you would open up their eyes to see the gospel, not as foolishness, but Lord, as your wisdom. That, Lord, as they uncover that treasure in the field, that they would look at it and not bury it and walk away, but, Lord, that they would see it as of surpassing value to be found in Jesus, to have a righteousness that is not their own, a righteousness given to them by faith in Jesus Christ. I pray today that they would give up everything in order to come to Christ freely, that Jesus would be the treasure of their heart. Lord, we are grateful, Lord, that you have given us freely your own son, And so, Father, we worship him. We delight in him. Lord, we cherish him. We treasure him above all. Lord, may you work in each of our hearts according to the will of your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.